baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. This is Heather Vale with the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show, and I'm actually on site today at Halo Car, which is headquartered in downtown Las Vegas. And joining me here is founder and CEO Anand Nandakumar. Anand, thank you so much for inviting me down here and being on the show. Thanks for having me. So this is a really fascinating concept. We've had time to kind of walk around and see your remote pilots and see the cars driving. Where did the idea come from to create Halo Car? Yeah, so idea kind of came in where it's like, if you think about cars in general or transportation in general, 9% of all carbon emissions come from transportation. And if you try to dissect that even further, 40% of all transportation comes from private cars. It is very clear that we need to shift to all electric vehicles. But unfortunately, we just can't manufacture 280 million cars just in the U.S. overnight. So the difficulty here is how do we radically shift the entire world from gasoline cars to electric? It's a high utilization electric vehicles, which means that every car that we manufacture has to be highly utilized. And one car should be able to eliminate 60 to 70 cars. That is gasoline. That was kind of the premise behind how Halo came about. And when I was in Bay Area, I would take the public transit a lot. But getting to the transit station and getting out of the transit station was the biggest difficulty. And the idea was, what if I could drive there, but the car, I don't have to worry about parking it. The car just gone when I get there. <laughs> Poof. <laughs> Poof. Just disappears, right? That was the idea. That's the eureka moment. I'm like, oh, my God, this could actually kind of work. But how do I get the car from the train station back to somewhere else without having a human inside? So what if the human could be remote? What if they could be over LTE, over 5G, and drive the car? That was the moment. Like, oh, my God, somebody's got to do this. Why not me? <laughs> okay, so, I mean, I see the vision. I see the dream. It's a great concept, but you've actually done it. So tell us exactly what Halo Car is and how it works. Yeah, today, if a customer goes to halo.car, the website, and you can request a car from anywhere in Southern Nevada. That is all of Las Vegas we cover right now. So you just come in and request a car. We will deliver a car to you wherever you are. Specifically in downtown is very interesting. A few weeks ago, we went full driverless, the first in the world for a company to do something like this, which means that if you come to downtown and request a car, we will deliver a car to you with nobody inside. But it's remotely driven just for you to drive after the fact. So then you drive yourself when you're done. You basically say, I'm done with the car. We will remotely also collect the car back from you. So there's literally nobody inside the car. Wow. Okay. So we've all heard about electric vehicles kind of driving themselves to a degree, some kind of automatic driving. But this is actually a guy sitting here on site driving it remotely like he's in a video game. That's absolutely right. So there are autonomous vehicle companies that are actually doing full autonomy, which is if you think about autonomy, there are six levels, level zero through level five. They are targeting level four, level five to launch a commercial robo-taxi service. That is Uber rides, but with no driver inside. The problem with that is it's such a difficult challenge to solve because if large 
long tail end case or edge case scenarios. If one problem happens and you solve that problem, you break 50 other problems. That is the biggest problem for autonomous car companies. The reason why this is not autonomous is because a human, which is the best machine learning model known to man today, which is our human brain, when we adapt to a new scenario, we're very good at adapting to new scenarios. When we see a new scenario, we can navigate around it almost instantly. That's why we still believe humans are great drivers within boundaries, that is with good nine to five job and a very good braking conditions and a very good environmental conditions, we are really good drivers. That's what we've achieved here. Our remote pilots are hired by us, are trained by us, and we give them enough brakes and it's literally a nine to five job. So they come in and drive all day long and they go back home just like everybody else does. Nine to five job, but do you operate 24 seven? No, we operate 8 a.m. to like evening, right around 6 p.m. But that's when we deliver the car driverlessly. But we have collections throughout the entire day, which means that you can drop a car off anywhere. We will remotely lock the car and collect it at when the operation starts again. All right, awesome. So when you're talking about the autonomous vehicles and how you don't do the autonomous, with the autonomous vehicles, does it have to be in like a self-contained area? Because I'm thinking of Tesla, for example, with their tunnel that drives people around autonomously from the convention center. But that's not where pedestrians are going to be. That's not where other vehicles are going to be. And you're actually driving in the real world. So is that why it's more important to have a remote pilot? Yeah, so um, I think you're mentioning the boring tunnel, right? The boring tunnel is all fully manned. That is a human sitting in the car driving people around. Okay. The autonomous car companies, if you go to San Francisco, you'll see some autonomous car companies that are driving cars in public roads. Very different than that. This is a human-operated fleet. That is a human that is remotely available. They remotely drive the car. The specific reason behind that is because of the edge case scenarios. The reason why autonomous car companies are not there everywhere all over the world is because of unlimited edge cases. For us, it's a significantly easier model to scale because human can adapt very comfortably to new edge cases that we can see in real world. That's the biggest difference. Okay, so why did you decide to do all of this with specifically electric vehicles? So the ultimate vision for the company is to transition the world from gasoline cars to electric. If you think about it, there are seven and a half trillion miles we drive today in gasoline and less than 1% is electric. <laughs> so Halo has to expand in order to realize this dream. So right now, where do you operate? Right now we operate in Las Vegas only, and in downtown specifically, we're fully unmanned. Why did you choose Las Vegas? For a lot of reasons. Number one, the state's alignment towards sustainability is very high. State has big motivation to go full sustainable energy, sustainable growth, all that kind of great stuff, which aligns for us, our company's vision really well. Number two, regulations. We worked very closely with the DMV to get the first ever permit drafted and passed through legislation so we can actually be the first company in the world to do this. That was a big alignment. Number three, the weather conditions are you know very suitable for our testing. It's not raining all the time. It's not cloudy all the time. It's a flat terrain and very predictable weather conditions, although it's hot, but <laughs> otherwise it's great. So these kind of conditions are really adaptable for us to like start testing and iterating and launch a full fleet of service that can scale globally. I think Las Vegas is actually a really good place for EVs as well because it's a relatively small area, a lot of stopping and starting. Yes, absolutely. There's also a lot of charging stations here that are fast charging, available, 
So it's easy for us to go plug and charge the cars quite quite drastically. We don't have to worry about the infrastructure. The infrastructure is there for our fleet. So it's a huge win for us too. Yeah. How did you choose the specific brands of EVs that you were going to use? Yeah, the first one that we chose was a Kia Niro. This is the fleet that we have right now. Um, the reason is the first car I unlocked in 2020 by myself was a Kia. And we needed a car that would have 200 miles of range on a single charge. And in 2020, the first car that was not ridiculously expensive was a Kia Niro that had plus 200 miles of range in a single charge. Okay. That's why we selected that, yeah. Nice, okay. And now we're expanding the fleet. We have Chevy Bolt at the moment as well, and we'll be bringing in more cars into the fleet. Okay, now in order for you to realize the vision of ruling the world, so to speak, where do you plan to expand next? So right now, this year is all about focusing in Las Vegas. The goal here is to get the full fleet here, full-fledged of operations here, full customers here, make sure our fleet is working really well as we predict it is. We're going to run into a lot of issues and a lot of problems because nobody's ever done this yet. So we're kind of in the bleeding edge. So we will learn a lot from it. And whatever we learn, our goal is to replicate this across the world. So I don't have an actual city or state to give you right now, but we're in discussion with a lot of places. How long have you been operating in Las Vegas? Uh, we started road testing February 2021, so a little over two years. And we worked with DMV very closely, and all of the DMV folks know us really, really well. And when I first came here, I asked them, hey, do you think I can drive a car remotely? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't say no immediately, but <laughs> they were like, hmm, let me think about this. <laughs> and then we went in deeper in how we built the car what is our safety mechanism? What would it do if everything fails? We talked about all these kind of scenarios and we showed them how we're going to do testing. We just don't do testing unmanned. We had humans in the car, when remotely driven. So we did a very, very safe route for testing for years in a row before commercially ready and before we launched the service. So what does happen if something goes wrong? If you lose signal or if the car gets in an accident, gets rear-ended, like what are the scenarios that could go wrong and how do you deal with it? So the number one thing is when a remote pilot's driving, the network conditions. It has to be absolutely rock solid. It has to be always stable, always predictable. That's how you can have a perpetual connection to the car and you can drive. So to do this, we have filed eight patents to unlock this kind of reliability. is one of the reasons why T-Mobile have invested in the company is because the IP will unlocked. I can't really talk much about it, but I'll just say that okay. <laughs> it works. <laughs> but uh, if all fails, there are multiple networks in the car, in each car, if there were multiple tiers of redundancies, if all fails, what happens is the car has enough intelligence to know that a network failed or some form of issue happened or a hardware failure happened, it automatically achieves something called MRC or a minimum risk condition to bring the car to a safe stop. And then when everything comes back to healthy state, the remote pilot can take over or if it says that if the car thinks it's not safe enough, we'll just have a human jump in and take over the vehicle physically. Interesting. Now, what made you think that hey, we can take like a video game setup that looks like iRacing or something, and we can apply this to the real world and actually have someone, instead of driving a virtual car that doesn't actually exist, they're actually driving real vehicles. Like walk me through the thought process of how that all came together, because like you mentioned, it's never been done before. So how did you make it happen? So the first phase is how can we visualize something? We had one camera that we stuck in the car in front of it. 
So then, obviously, to visualize camera, you have to see it in the, in the monitor, the computer monitor, because it's 2D monocular image. Then we said, hey, we need to have better visibility in the sides of the car. So we added two more cameras. Now we had three cameras. And we said, okay, let's start streaming three cameras. And then we said, hey, we don't have enough visibility in the back. And when we, if we have to change lanes, we need to see more. So we ended up adding three more cameras. So ultimately, we had six cameras in the car in the first version of the vehicle. That was 2020. Now we need to visualize six cameras. So we said one small monitor is not enough. So we tried three different monitors to have three different visualizations. And that was too much. It was too much context switching from one monitor to another. Because a camera captures the scene not like a human brain. It has duplicates, which means the same car that you see in the front camera will also be in the right camera. So when you switch between one camera and another, it's very confusing for us to drive remotely. So then we said, okay, we need to find a unique way to stitch multiple cameras without duplicates. So that's what we worked so heavily on, to stitch them together. So we had one panoramic view, about 210 degree field view. So you can see everything almost instantaneously. You don't have to tilt your head. And the other interesting thing that happened on top of this was a remote pilot can actually see better than yourself sitting in the car. Because a car is not designed for better visibility. It's designed to protect you when you're sitting inside. That's it. So you can't see where the car is on the road. It's actually really difficult for you to actually parallel park. That's why a lot of people have hard problems parallel parking. (laughs) But a remote pilot, the way we engineered the, the sensors is it gives them the best possible visibility of where the car is inside on a road. So they can actually take very sharp maneuvers. They can make very tight corners better than anybody else inside the car because of that factor, right? And then what happened was we said, we just can't have three monitors. We need to have one monitor stitch everything together. So we focused very heavily on how to stitch this, what is important in every camera. And then we iterated that for years. And what we saw right now upstairs is basically the output of that. But that's just the first step. We have big dreams on optimizing it and improving it. At one point, there might not even be a monitor. What will there be? <laughs> like a VR helmet? <laughs> well, I will leave that to your imagination. <laughs> I mean, that's what I think of. <laughs> <laughs> but it will all happen very, very soon, yeah. So Interesting. Okay. So what's the business model? It's not People don't have to rent a car for an extended period like they do with other car rental companies, right? Right. So the model here is by the hour first, which is $12 an hour. And then you can also rent it by the day because sometimes you want to keep the car, you want to take a few trips, whatnot. So $92 flat per day plus taxes and insurance. That's the current pricing. Ultimately, the goal is to go after short trips, which means that you can come from somewhere into downtown and don't worry about parking the car, drop the car off, car is gone. Or take a car from downtown, go to Henderson, drop the car off, walk away, the car is gone. All these kind of short trips is what we want to achieve in the long term. Because when we do a short trip, that's when the highest impact is in terms of carbon emission or reduction. And at the same time, it's the highest revenue for us and the highest opportunity to make really good margins and profit. So it's, it's a win-win for all of us. And that's when it makes it so affordable for anybody to afford an electric car. Instead of buying a $40,000 car and having maintenance and parking issues and parking tickets, in this case, all of this is gone, and you, you're driving to Henderson for just a few dollars. Is it mostly tourists who take advantage of this or locals who live here? So actually, the funny thing is we thought it was going to be tourists for the most part. But we realized locals want us more than tourists. That's a new learning that we had. If you think about a local here, 
uh, when we I'm a local too now. So when we live here, all of our friends want to come. It's yeah. Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they all want to come here, right? So which means that when they come, they want another car. Otherwise, they're dependent on you. So when they come, they're like they want a second car or a third car or even a fourth car for the guests. So that became a new market for us when, when the guests came in. And then they realized, hey, this service is actually really, really good. So when there's no guest, my wife needs it or my husband needs it because I'm taking the car. So that kind of started happening, which is what we kind of anticipated that would happen in the longer term, which is if you think about it, American households, 56% of American households have two cars, right? But cars are literally parked 96% of the time. We barely drive in an hour a day, but we pay 100% of the fees, the cost of that car. This is a way to go after the third car first, and then the second car next, and ultimately the first car, right? You can have your pleasure cars, your Mustangs and whatnot, but the daily commutes should be considered to go to electric. And what we're trying to do here is make it so convenient and so cheap that it is not worth having a car anymore. That's the ultimate goal. Okay. Now, another thought that came to mind is since it is Las Vegas, you've got people partying. Could your cars, in theory, be a designated driver? (laughs) (laughs) Well, people ask this all the time. So at this moment of the company, we've chosen not to do that for multiple reasons. One is for liability purposes, we, we don't drive people inside the car. We only drive a car when there's nobody inside. Or we have a trained safety driver inside. That is one of our staff. That's it. The second reason is the cars are built to drive in very tight environments. So the remote pilot has very good visibility of exactly where the car is. So it might be very short, sharp turns. It might not be convenient or comfortable for someone to sit inside and observe that. So we deliberately chose that and made the decision to do that. And ultimately, it is not very economical for us to have one remote pilot drive one person in a car. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, true. People have tried that (laughs) without profits. So that's some of the reasons why we chose that we need to have a remote pilot only reposition a car when there's nobody inside. Having said that, what could be interesting for the nightlife scene, though, is imagine you're you're trying to go to the strip or go to to a nightlife area. We want to pick up a few friends. You hail a halo, <laughs> the car gets delivered, and then you drive, pick up a couple of friends, and drop yourself off at a bar or a club or whatever, the car's gone. Now you can take an Uber back. So that saves 50% of your cost, right? That could be an option for our customers. Yeah, very interesting. So basically, the car arrives driven remotely with the keys inside, and then the person who rents the car gets in and takes over the car. That's it. Exactly. And when you're done, don't park it. We'll take it over. (laughs) So, like, just stop and get out and it drives away? In downtown specifically, you basically stop or park in a place where it's not, you don't have to park it overnight or something. Just park in a place where it's not blocking traffic. And then you get out, we will take over. That's the goal that we're making happen in downtown. The reason why I picked downtown is the density is high and it's a smaller zone of operation because we're still a young company. We're not a huge company yet. And we want to keep it contained so it's predictable operations for us and make sure we iron out all the issues before we start expanding the region. Okay, so if someone's listening and they want to try it, maybe they want to have a car to go get groceries or something and, you know, they don't want to have to take their own car or they don't have a car, how do they go about hailing a Halo car? (laughs) (laughs) They go to halo.car 
it can go in, in a mobile web browser or even a desktop, doesn't matter. And you don't need to download anything. You can go there today. You can request a card today. Wherever you are in Las Vegas, you don't have to be in downtown. You can be anywhere in Las Vegas. We will come and deliver a car to you. But outside of downtown, it'll be a human that's driving the car to you. But in downtown, you'll have the pleasure of seeing it with nobody inside. So when the human drives it, there's another car to yes. take him back? Yeah, there's another car that will come and pick them up and drive them back. So two cars for one car. <laughs> that's crazy. That's like VIP treatment. Hey, I got two cars coming to deliver one. <laughs> Exactly. The ultimate goal is there's no car at all. There's just one car coming, but nobody inside, right? Yeah. In downtown specifically, what we launched recently is with a chase car to, to make sure it's protecting the unmanned vehicle in front, just so it's very, very, very safe. The way we approach safety is crawl before you walk, walk before you run. We don't try to skip steps <laughs> for obvious reasons. So the safety car is still there, but the goal is to remove that next year. Okay, so right now, two cars will arrive, but the first one has no driver. No driver inside. In downtown. In downtown. Downtown, yeah. <laughs> and then the car is gone when you're done. Yeah, that'll be a sight to see. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Okay, so halo.car is the website to go to. Halo.car, very easy. You can order your car. It'll arrive. If you're downtown, it'll arrive without a driver. You can drive it around, pay your rental, and then the car just, poof, disappears. Gone. It just vanishes. <laughs> yeah, it's a sight to see for sure. Yeah, that's fantastic. All right, so we're waiting for an empty car to come and pick us up, basically. That's exactly right. <laughs> so it's going to come with no driver in it whatsoever. Do people stare at them when they drive by like that? Oh, 100%. We get stare downs all the time when we're driving. There's nobody inside. Some people come with a camera right in front of it, just mesmerized by it. <laughs> so we get a lot of viral traction. <laughs> Too bad you didn't have like a microphone inside where the remote pilot could be talking to them. <laughs> <laughs> we actually have dual comms in the car for when police pulls, pulls us over. Okay. We need to communicate with them because they've never seen something of like this, right? So that's why we have it not for other people. <laughs> well, actually, the car is here. You want to go wow. for a quick ride? Yeah, let's go for a ride. Let's go for a ride. Let's go. All right. So now it's my car. We just got this delivered to us with nobody inside. What we're going to do is just take this for a quick spin and basically just drop it off in a corner and walk out. So this is what would happen if someone rented it. It would show up like that, with no driver, they just get in and they start driving. That's exactly right. They start driving. I didn't do nothing. I just got in. Yeah, no, you just got in and started driving. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's as simple as that, right? So now the interesting part is, let's assume that I'm coming to downtown. Downtown's vibrant right now. We have a lot of bars, a lot of restaurants. This is one of the coolest places in Las Vegas. So let's assume that we are coming here for, we're going to have a good time, right? We're going to come in, we're driving ourselves, and we don't want to worry about parking. We're just going to drop the car, and the car is going to be gone. So that's what we're going we're gonna to show you. And we're going to drop the car off in the corner, and the remote pilot can literally, they will take over in almost in a second and the car will be gone. So the whole point of this is we are able to do this so seamlessly that we don't need to even think about parking the car at all. The car is always going to another customer, which means that more people are getting rid of their gasoline cars and moving to a service model, and the car happens to be electric. <laughs> That's awesome. How awesome is that, right? So where do you charge the cars? Do they charge right there? We charge the car in, in our own charging facilities, and we work with the city very closely in the city's own charging stations. So we're gonna pull over here, 
and I'm gonna put the car back in park, un unbuckle my seatbelts. And then we're just gonna get out. We're just gonna get out. It's an empty car, there's nobody inside. So they're gonna take over. Boom, car's gone. And there it goes. <laughs> That's how simple it is, right? This is what we've launched in downtown right now. So you saw the full effect right in front of you. And anybody in Las Vegas wants a car right now in downtown, specifically if they want to experience this, go to halo.car, request a car, and you will see this grand scheme just coming to you. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love it. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks again, Anand, for being here and letting us know more about what you're doing with Halo Car. Very inspiring and innovative stuff. So I'm really glad you're here letting us know more about it because it's bleeding edge and it's happening right here in our backyard. Halo.car. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, appreciate it. Every 36 seconds, a vehicle is stolen in the United States. Cars are an important investment and you have the power to protect it. Remove valuables from your car or place out of view. Roll up your windows completely. Don't leave your car running while unattended, especially during the winter. And always lock your doors and take your keys or fob with you. If you know something about a vehicle theft, call us at 1-800-TELL-NICB. This is a public service message from the National Insurance Crime Bureau. You have some dough. It's lunchtime, but there's no way you would eat just dough for lunch, right? Well, the good thing is, I have some cheese. Your friend has some tomato sauce. This random guy on the street has pepperoni in his backpack. If we bring all these ingredients together, we end up with something much better than any of them alone. A savory pizza for lunch. But each of us has not only different ingredients, but also different opinions coming from our different life experiences. If we bring all these experiences and all these opinions together, in friendly, civil conversation, we end up with opinions and ideas that are better than any of our individual opinions before. So if we want to come up with better ideas for a better world, what we really need are civil, civic conversations. Pizzas. It's an American thing. AmericanThing.org. This is the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. I'm Heather Vale, and I'm speaking with award-winning podcaster, writer, and personal finance educator Jamila Souffrant. Inflation is making it harder for families to avoid monthly expenses, but it's still possible to get healthy groceries on a budget. Jamila, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. So how can families stretch their budget to incorporate more healthy groceries into their meal plans? That's right. Families are feeling more of a pressure because of rising food costs and grocery costs. So ways to save on that are to buy in bulk. So purchasing non-perishable items like bulk rice, pasta, canned goods and cleaning supplies that have a longer shelf life can save you more money in larger quantities. You can also consider buying store brand and generics instead of the name brand. Compare prices, but oftentimes they're in similar quality and you'll be able to save money. Another thing you can do is shop with a list. Before you make any purchase, make a list of the items you need based on your meal plan. This helps you avoid buying unnecessary things and stay in budget. And last but not least, embrace technology. We use it for everything, so we should be using it for our grocery needs too by using it for on-demand shopping at grocery stores. What kind of technology allows us to do that? So DoorDash is a what we typically use for our restaurants, and we love it for that. But you can also use it for your on-demand grocery needs. 
And they are also having flexible payment options where you can use Snap EBT. So Snap EBT users can now get on-demand grocery shopping needs met by using DoorDash. Okay, now I can see how a service like DoorDash would save us time. But when we're talking about grocery shopping on a budget, how much does a delivery service like that increase the bill? Well, so you're able to now access more healthy food options through some of your favorite grocers like Safeway, Albertson, 7-Eleven, and shop the best deals through those grocers and be able to pick what works for you and get it delivered on demand. So this is especially important for people who live in rural areas or food deserts who they may not have healthy options and now they can access all of these grocery options while saving money at the tip of their fingers. Okay, so here in Las Vegas, it's Safeway that you can use the DoorDash Snap EBT with. How exactly does that work? Do you just use it like a regular payment option? Yeah, so it's really simple to use it within DoorDash. In the app, you can search for that Snap EBT icon and then start shopping and searching for which grocery stores accept your payment and what qualifying orders accept that. And again, you can look for what deals best fit your needs and order right through the app. Okay. Now, of course, Snap's going to cover mostly the healthier options. So when we're talking about healthy groceries, let's talk a little bit about produce, because typically the outside of the grocery store, the fresh items are going to be healthier, but they also cost more. So what do you recommend when it comes to choosing healthy fruits and vegetables? Right. So you want to look at what's potentially in season when you are shopping for the fresh produce. And as you can now shop around and look at different grocery stores, you can look for the best deal. And because you don't have to physically go to the store, but that DoorDash delivers it to you, you can select the best one based on price and get it delivered in minutes. Nice. Okay. So where can listeners go if they want to learn more about using DoorDash with Snap or if they want to find out more about what you're doing and some of your personal finance tips? Right. So in order to find out more about DoorDash, you can go to DoorDash.com and to look up the Snap EBT options, you'll find more information about that on the app and in the website. And then in order to learn more about learning about saving money and personal finance, you can check out my podcast, Journey to Launch. Okay, nice. So her podcast, Journey to Launch, is available at all podcast platforms. Jamila Souffrant with Journey to Launch. And if you want to find out more about DoorDash and the Snap EBT payment options, just go to DoorDash.com. And Jamila, I want to thank you so much for being here and letting us know some of your tips and some of the new ways that we can take advantage of technology when it comes to healthy grocery shopping. So I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I am blessed. After I lost my mom, I was depressed and resentful. I couldn't find my way, but I am not lost. That's right. I'm Tiffany. I work in behavioral health for youth advocate programs. Yeah, I empower Blessing with tools so she can see her strengths and set positive goals. As a little kid, I experienced trauma and I acted out. Made some mistakes, but I'm not a mistake. No, she's a good student and a great kid. As Jalen's YAP advocate, I'm always here for her. We need YAP. The youth, they need strong support systems. I try to help the youth understand if you have a change of mindset, you can have a change of action. YAP gives communities alternatives to residential care, youth incarceration, and neighborhood violence. After completing our program, nearly 90% of participants remain in their community. 
Yap works. And now I'm finding my way and excited about my future. Youth Advocate Programs. Others talk social change. We make it happen. Learn more at yapinc.org. You're listening to the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. I'm Heather Vale, and I'm speaking with lifestyle and parenting expert Justine Santanello. Justine is known for sharing tips and top product suggestions known as just-haves on major TV shows. And now she's here with advice on how to alleviate the stress that comes with back-to-school prep. Justine, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. So what tips do you have to make back-to-school prep easier? Yeah, I think that you included my favorite word for back to school, which is prep. You know, <laughs> we've all heard this before, so it might not sound new, but it's all about actually implementing that prep, right? Doing as much as you possibly can the night before, leaving yourself notes of the last few things you're going to need to pack in the morning so that you don't forget them. And then also including your kids in as much as you possibly can. I'll tell you, I've started now picking out my daughter's outfits with them the night before, and this has alleviated so much stress and has saved me so much time because, you know, kids have their own opinions. They want to pick out their own outfits. And we were having a battle every morning that now I don't have to have anymore. So I think it's all about that preparation and involving the kids on that preparation really as young as you possibly can. I've started getting my daughter involved when she was like four years old. Wow, that's awesome. So obviously picking out outfits the night before is one way to save time in the mornings when we always seem to be rushing around like chickens with our heads cut off. That's right. What other ways could we save time in the morning when time is so precious? Right. So doing as much also of the lunch and snack prep the night before is key. You know, I save so much time now in the morning, not starting from scratch on the lunch boxes. Oh, what am I going to pack? Oh, I just packed that yesterday. Now, I think it's all about also avoiding that lunchtime battle and keeping things really exciting for kids. You know, the presentation, trying new things. My girls love tahini seasonings and sauces, especially the Classico seasoning. So this is the number one chili lime seasoning powder in the U.S. What I like about it also, though, is that it's versatile. So I can use it in a lot of different ways. It's going to bring out that taste and flavor from really all different foods like fruits and veggies, but also popcorn, dips, uh, guacamole. You can also use it in recipes, which I think is really cool. I'm all about value and using something in a lot of ways. So you can put tahini in no-bake fruit and nut granola bites, tahini apple chips, which are delicious. You can even put it in a wrap as a tahini mayo. So if you guys go to tahini.com, they have a bunch of different recipes there. You can find out more. And I love when somebody else does the work and provides me with a recipe. Yeah. So do you pre-spice or do you send them with the packets and let them spice it all themselves? So I pre-spice. Like, for example, if I'm going to make the wrap, I'll make up that mayo ahead of time. Two of the things that I mentioned, you don't even have to bake or cook, but like the apple chips were baking. So I'm going to do that the night before. Then they're nice and crispy in the morning. I mean, I'm really trying to get as much done the night before as humanly possible. Yeah. Yeah. That totally makes sense. 
Yeah. And what tips do you have for staying organized when it comes to homework and making sure that they get all the assignments on time and don't fall behind and say, oh, hey, by the way, I've got a major project due tomorrow. (laughs) Yes. So I think when it comes to homework, starting the year off strong and trying to find a homework station for your kids. Now, you don't have to have a huge home and give them a designated desk area. But listen, if you do have the space for that, great. If not, designating the chair up at the kitchen island, right, or at the kitchen table. This is your area. I like to take them to go pick out items like pens or pencils. Let them pick out the colors or the characters that they want on their items so that they're excited about it. And then designating an area for them. This is where you're going to do your homework. This is where you're going to sit every day. Try to make it a routine. We do it at this time, you know, while mommy's cooking, let's say you're doing your homework so that you're getting them into a routine and putting them in an area that they helped you to create. Yeah, that's some great advice. Okay, so you mentioned tahin.com, which is T-A-J-I-N. Where could listeners go if they want to find out more about parenting tips or some of your just-haves? Sure. So you guys can go to my site, justhaves.com. You can find me on social media, Justine Santanello. If you have any questions, shoot me a message. Okay, awesome. So justhaves.com is Justine's website, justhaves.com, or you can find her on social, Justine Santanello. And tahin.com, T-A-J-I-N, if you're interested in the spices she was talking about. And Justine, I want to thank you so much for being here and giving us some great advice for keeping back to school sane and manageable and well-organized. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. When students struggle in school because they are hungry. Or fall behind because they lack school supplies or clean clothing. Being greeted at the start of every school day by the smile of a caring adult can make all the difference. Especially someone from the community. Someone who knows firsthand the obstacles students might be facing. And what it will take to help them thrive. At Communities in Schools, our site coordinators surround students with a community of support and remain by their side to ensure that they have everything they need to engage in learning and succeed in school and in life. Access to technology, learning materials, and even one-to-one mentor support. We are there for them all day, every day. This is what Communities in Schools is all about. Going all in for kids in schools, in communities, and beyond. To learn more, visit communitiesinschools.org. That's communitiesinschools.org. Every child deserves good vision to be able to read, learn, or kick a ball. Each day a child can't see, they fall behind. Together we can change that. I Care for Kids is the solution. In the past 21 years, we've helped over half a million underserved children with vision screenings, exams, and eyeglasses. Your contribution today can provide the gift of sight for a child tomorrow in Las Vegas. Donate now at icare4kids.org. I'm Heather Vale, and this is the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. Joining me is Dennis R. Maple, Chairman and CEO of Goddard Systems, and Dr. Lauren Starnes, Senior VP. According to a new study by the Goddard School, parents of young kids rated social-emotional development the most important factor in education. Dennis and Dr. Starnes, thank you both so much for being here today. Sure, it's our pleasure. So what exactly is Goddard Systems for those who aren't familiar? 
So Goddard Systems is a company that's been in business for the last 35 years, serving young people across the country in about 38 states. We have about 90,000 uh, young people that we have the privilege of working with on a daily basis. And it's a business that has uh, served the need of many families for many, many years. Okay. So according to your survey, what kind of social emotional learning are parents looking for in childcare and early childhood education? That's a great question, Heather. I'm going to start and, and I'll, I'll give you my response to that, which is parents are looking for uh, ways to level up their children as a consequence of the pandemic. We know that this time of year, there's a lot of anxiousness that's taking place and people are really concerned about their kids being in an environment where they know that the social emotional development of their children will take place. We know that uh, there's an opportunity for us to focus on safe and nurturing environments. And also parents wanna know that their kids are gonna get the academic uh, preparation that will be necessary for them as they move forward in their, in their lives. Dr. Lauren? Sure, so social emotional development really is the foundation of a child's social, intellectual and moral development. It starts helping young children learn to identify emotions, label them, have ways to communicate how they're feeling, identify how others are feeling, respond appropriately. It's about self-help skills, self-advocacy, and learning how to interact with different people. All of these skills which develop across the lifespan, but the foundation is set in the first five years of life, which to Dennis's point is why it's such a focus for us in our Goddard schools. Okay. So besides social emotional development, what are the other factors that are most important to parents? Yes. So parents want an environment where their child can thrive academically as well. Um, we know parents want to make sure that their child's getting what they need in those first five years to prepare themselves as they continue to grow and, and develop. They want to make sure that it's an environment that's safe and that's nurturing where their child can explore uh, the classroom around them and the outdoor environment um, with other children and with teachers. And they want a community that connects the families together. And these are all things that we focus on within each Goddard school. Okay. So for parents who have young kids who are either starting school or starting preschool coming up, what guidance do you have for making that transition as smooth as possible, not just for the kids, but for the parents as well? Sure. That's a really great question. You know, parents are looking for a school that they can partner with for the well-being of their children. So as Dr. Lauren has spoken about today, uh, that includes the social emotional development, that includes the academic aspects of what we do in, in a safe and nurturing environment. But I think the most important element of all of this is the ability to communicate with parents so that they understand what is happening in the school environment and together with the faculty of their school, they can reinforce the lessons that are being learned, the ideas that are being taught, and the values that are being created in the Goddard School. Okay. Now, what's the ideal teacher to student ratio when it comes to young kids who are in preschool or early school years? So we realize that it's important that, that there's a, a balanced ratio of children to teachers. And so we try to maintain those ratios as low as possible, depending upon the age of the child. But it's really important that there's both two dynamics in place. One, a smaller ratio of children to teacher allows the teacher to really customize what he or she is teaching to meet the needs of the individual child. However, there's a social piece in the classroom as well. We also want to make sure that there are enough children there that children can interact with different, different children with different backgrounds um, and have a variety of social interactions. So it varies by age, but we do take that into consideration at every Goddard school. Okay. So where could parents go if they want to learn more about Goddard School and possibly enrolling their kids this upcoming school year? 
That's a really great question. You know, Goddard prides itself over the years of being renowned for early childhood development for children. And we've got many, many resources. In particular, if parents are interested in a location or exactly what takes place in the Goddard School, I would direct them to our website, which is goddardschool.com. I think they'll find great insight on parenting tips, ideas, and suggestions for interacting with their children, as well as how do you prepare your children to actually return to a school environment. So we would ask you to, to check it out. Okay. And what is the age range for the kids that go to Goddard schools? So we have a, an age range that spans from six weeks all the way up to six years of age. Okay, nice. So if you have a kid between six weeks and six years and you're interested in finding out what Goddard School has to offer, or if you're just looking for early childhood parenting tips and other resources, you can find all of that at goddardschool.com, G-O-D-D-A-R-D school.com, goddardschool.com. And Dennis and Dr. Starnes, I want to thank you both so much for being here and letting us know more about early childhood education and what parents are looking for and what they can find with the Goddard School. So thank you both so much. Thank you so much for the opportunity. One in four Americans today are living with a disability. I'm one of them. I care deeply about creating a world we can all fully participate in, free from stigma, misperceptions and barriers. And we've got a trusted ally on our side, an organization we can rely on, Easter Seals. Rooted in communities nationwide, Easter Seals helps empower millions of people, regardless of age or disability, through its life-changing services and powerful advocacy. Today and every day, Easter Seals is leading the way to full equity, inclusion, and access to healthcare, employment, and education for people with disabilities, families, and communities. That's my Easter Seals. Make it yours. Learn more and get involved at EasterSeals.com. Lexi spent more than six years in foster care. Before I was adopted, I felt alone. With help from the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption, Lexi now has a forever family and the foundation for a bright future. Adoption changed me for the better. I feel like I can be whoever I want to be. You can help find permanent homes for children still lingering in foster care. Learn more at DaveThomasFoundation.org. I'm Heather Vale, and this is the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. Joining me is Dr. Cheryl Martin-Schild, Stroke Medical Director at Turo Infirmary, and Megan McKee, Stroke Survivor. Stroke is a leading cause of death in this country, and about 800,000 people suffer from a stroke each year. But it's not just older Americans who are at risk. Megan was only 31 years old and the picture of health when she had a stroke. She ate a healthy diet, worked as a physical therapist, and exercised often twice a day including running, biking, and yoga. Dr. Martin Shield and Megan, thank you both so much for being here today. Thank you for having thank us. Thank you. So, Dr. Martin Shield, why is stroke so prevalent? Stroke is a leading cause of death in this country and the major cause of serious disability. About 800,000 people in the U.S. alone have a stroke each year. And, you know, stroke 
comes around when somebody has risk factors for stroke, things that make it more likely to either form a blood clot or have a problem with the heart structure or function, uh, things that traumatize our arteries over our lifespan, things like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, smoking, diabetes, things like that. Okay. What are the signs of a stroke? The acronym BFAST is an easy way to remember and identify signs and symptoms of a stroke. A sudden problem with any of the following may indicate a stroke. The B stands for balance, so suddenly experiencing loss of balance. E stands for eyesight. If you suddenly have a problem with your vision, think stroke. Don't think I need to make an appointment with my eye doctor. The S stands for face. If you have an uneven smile affecting one side of the face. The A stands for arm or appendage. So if any of your arms or legs suddenly become weak, numb, or clumsy, the S is for speech, anything that affects your ability to produce your words or exchange information. And T is to remind you, time to call 911 right away. You know, stroke occurs when the brain is suddenly deprived of blood supply and without oxygen, brain cells die quickly. And depending on the area affected, that'll determine what type of symptoms a person experiences, which can be permanent if 911 is not called and action is taken immediately. Wow. Okay. Megan, can you tell us about your experience on the day of your stroke? Yes, absolutely. So my stroke occurred back in 2015. It was a typical Saturday for me. I woke up, I went to an exercise class in the morning. My husband and I went for a walk during the day, and we had just sat down to watch a movie at night. I tried to reach for a glass of water, and my hand just kind of slapped at the, the table. And I wasn't able to do it. I wasn't able to grab the water. Um, I tried to stand up, and then I, I couldn't use my leg. I couldn't walk. And so my husband immediately called 911. And at that time, you know, I, I knew what the signs and symptoms were, and I actually told my husband what they were, um, educated him that it was a possibility based on the congenital defect that I had in my heart that I could at one time have a stroke. But I didn't even recognize those signs that were happening within myself due to something called neglect. It's when the right side of your brain is affected. You um, It can cause left side of weakness, and then you don't understand what's happening with your body. And so luckily he saw those signs and symptoms that I was having and he called 911 immediately. Wow. So if you hadn't told him in advance that this might happen and these were the signs, it could have gone a completely different way. Yeah, you're actually absolutely correct on that. You know, he uh, he doesn't work in healthcare. I do. So, you know, to a lay person, you wouldn't know them. But that's why this is so important to tell everybody about the BFAST, the signs and symptoms. Okay, so you were only 31, which most of us think it's impossible to have a stroke at that age, but you're saying you have a congenital heart defect that could have possibly contributed to that happening? Yes, correct. That that is that is what I have been told. Okay. So, Dr. Martin Shield, what are some of the risk factors that make it more likely to have a stroke? Megan identified what hers was, but for the rest of us, what should we avoid or what should we be careful of? Some risk factors are beyond one's control and nothing you can do anything about, like having a family history of stroke what gender you are, age, ethnic background, but there's lots of risk factors that you can manage through lifestyle changes and medication treatment. And those include high blood pressure, the number one risk factor for stroke, high cholesterol, atrial fibrillation, smoking, diabetes, 
not exercising and having obesity, each of these contributes to your overall risk of having a stroke. And many times our people are completely unaware that they have one or more of these risk factors because they're not having regular health care visits with their providers. It's really important to have a primary care provider and work with them to recognize that you have risk and then respond to it by doing everything you can within your power to lower that risk. Okay. Megan, what has your stroke recovery been like? Yes. Yeah. I was extremely lucky um, that my husband recognized those signs and symptoms and quickly got me um, attention. And I was only 10 minutes away from the hospital. And so, you know, within 24 hours, my symptoms for the most part resolved. Um, I had to do a lot of strengthening and conditioning and exercises afterwards. I still to this day have some minor deficits in my left hand and, and foot ankle um, that I deal with. But other than that, you know, I, I am living a happy, healthy life now with uh, twin girls that are three and a half. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So where can we go to learn more about stroke and what we should do to hopefully prevent a stroke, what we should do in the event of the stroke, or any further information about stroke awareness? For a wealth of information about signs, symptoms of stroke, risk factors for stroke, visit www.strokeawareness.com. Okay, awesome. So strokeawareness.com is the website to go to, strokeawareness.com, and you can find more information there as well as remember be fast as the acronym stands for balance, eyesight, face, arm, speech, and time. If you see the signs of a stroke, act quickly, be fast. And again, the website strokeawareness.com. And Dr. Martin Schild and Megan, I want to thank you both so much for being here for sharing your expertise, for sharing tips, and Megan, for sharing your story with us. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Heather. Appreciate you. Thank you. When it comes to making plans, you are the best. What about those round trips that you plan in advance, which are perfect on your way there and perfect on your way back? Or those meetings with friends for which you make a group chat three months before so that nobody or anything is missing. Or your daughter's first birthday party. You planned it with such dedication that instead of the first, it felt like our quince's. The same way you plan each detail for those moments. Start planning to protect you and your loved ones from a natural disaster. Sign up for local weather and emergency alerts. Prepare an emergency kit and make a family communications plan. Protecting your family is the best plan you can make. Get started at ready.gov slash plan. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. To the big-hearted, the bold, the teachers, the growers, the builders, the change makers, we need you. We are the Peace Corps. In more than 60 countries, we go the distance to make a difference. We're volunteers, partners, communities, bringing our experience, joy, and passion to building a better world together. Are you looking for more? Then we are looking for you. Join us at PeaceCorps.gov. I'm Heather Vale with the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show, and this is your community events calendar for nonprofit initiatives and charity events around the Valley. 
The Las Vegas-Clark County Library District's free Summer Challenge program is running through this Monday, July 31st, with lots of prizes for kids and adults, including bookstore items, water bottles, tote bags, museum tickets, and cool swag from the Vegas Golden Knights. Sign up or find out more at thelibrarydistrict.org slash summerchallenge. That's thelibrarydistrict.org slash summerchallenge. Inspirata's joining Henderson Neighborhoods for the 40th Annual National Night Out this Tuesday, August 1st from 6 to 8 p.m. at Salista Park Pavilion. The Inspirata Community Association is partnering with the Henderson Police Department and other law enforcement agencies, support groups, and safety advocates for this milestone event featuring food, fun, family, activities, and entertainment. That's Tuesday, August 1st from 6 to 8 p.m. at Salista Park in Inspirata. Monday's Dark with Mark Chinook is a bi-monthly musical fundraising party at The Space, with each event raising $10,000 for a specific charity in 90 minutes. Upcoming shows include next Monday, August 7th at 8 p.m., Benefiting Project Dot, and Monday, August 21st at 8 p.m., Benefiting Project Real. Get tickets or find out more details at mondaysdark.com. That's mondaysdark.com. And Foreclosed Upon Pets, Inc. is holding their 15th annual fundraiser Saturday, August 26th from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. at the Meadows School, 8601 Scholar Lane, which is Rampart and Lake Mead. Tickets are only $45, payable at the door, and RSVPs are appreciated by August 10th. You can email Sandy Marsh at smarsh2009 at yahoo.com. That's smarsh2009 at yahoo.com. And you can also find out more at foreclosedupponpets.org, that's foreclosedupponpets.org, or facebook.com slash Vegas. F-U-P-I Las Vegas. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 